0: I saw something in his eyes and I was like, and I had never seen that. And I had never had a friend like that who had been so kind and so supportive. And I saw something in his eyes and I said, like, whatever that is, I want that.
1: I'm Luke Story. For the past 22 years, I've been relentlessly committed to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of spirituality, health, psychology and personal development the lifestylist podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you Yo, I am super pumped to share with you beekeepersnaturals.com. Now, if you heard episode 175 with founder and CEO Carly Stein, you know exactly what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about are the highest quality bee products in the world from Beekeepers Naturals. Now, I've been using Bee products for a long time. Back in the 90s, I was rocking like the bee pollen and and you know, using kind of gourmet honey over the years and things like that. But until that interview, honestly, I had no idea of the superpowers and the variety of different bee products. So not only did these guys make the cleanest, most organic, most potent bee products, they also have the widest variety of products. So whether it's propolis, which helps you with immune system. Um, soothing, scratchy throats. It's really potent stuff. Or the bee pollen, which is a superfood with vitamins and nutrients and gives you energy. It has amino acids and protein, whether it's the raw honey, the royal jelly. Uh, They even have a tonic for your brain. I mean, they have a lot of great products over there. So if you're not hip to the power of bee products as a superfood, I want to highly recommend that you get over to beekeepersnaturals.com. And honestly, if you want to just learn all about bees in the industry and how it's done and how it's done right for ecology and for the environment, definitely go back and listen to episode 175. It's a a great episode and the founder Carly is just brilliant and she's running a really great operation over there. So I'm very happy to support them on the show. And uh, like all the stuff I always talk about, I use them every day. In fact, I use it too much because I run out of it. Like when I interviewed her, I was like, so I do like a couple tablespoons of the B-Powered, which is the really potent one that combines all of the superfoods in the hive into one product. She's like, dude, the dose for that is half a teaspoon once a day. You're tripping. But, you know, I'm hardcore Uh, because it just tastes delicious and it gives you like instant energy. So definitely get over to beekeepersnaturals.com. When you're there, if you enter the code lifestylist, that's one word lifestylist, you'll save 15% off your order. So go to beekeepersnaturals.com, enter the code lifestylist. Our sponsor, Blue Blocks, is one of the easiest ones for me to plug because I wear their glasses every day. I have a pair sitting here on my desk, and as it gets later in the night, I'm going to put them on. This would be the amber-colored glasses to assist in producing melatonin, getting me ready to wind down, get super chill, get a good night's sleep. But when I'm working here during the day behind glass, because guess what? Windows make fake light, like non-native blue light. I'll wear the yellow ones or working on a computer or a phone. I'll even wear the clear ones that just block the really gnarly, narrow spectrum of blue light that our devices make. So everyone's learning now that the light in our environment is really important and blue blocks makes it super easy for me to manipulate that light to be more healthy. What's really cool is they have non-prescription, prescription and readers with free worldwide shipping. And they also have an epic service where you can send in your own frames, which is awesome. So you could get some old sunglasses that you still like the frames of and turn them magically into blue blockers. So go to blueblocks.com. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X. Use the code lifestylist and save 15% off. And while you're protecting your eyes and your sleep, you might as well pick up a remedy sleep mask while you're there. It's a really cool sleep mask that's 100% blackout has zero eye pressure and complete darkness also with worldwide shipping. So if you're going to protect your sleep with the blue blockers, you might as well get the eye masks too. They're really great for travel because, you know, when you go to hotels, no matter how hard you try, there's always some damn light that snakes through. And I hate that. So I love the remedy sleep mask for that. So again, go to blueblocks.com. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X, blueblocks.com. Enter the code LIFESTYLIST at checkout and save 15%. time to get devotional, folks. We're continuing our Attune series recorded in Atlanta, Georgia. Today, we're interviewing the band Icona. Well, I'm interviewing them and you're listening. So in a sense, you're really part of the conversation uh, after the fact. Our guests are Suk Dev, and Economa, the duo known as Icona. They passionately share their joint vision to express freedom, unity, peace, and love through their work with sacred music, quantum healing, and kundalini yoga. Their love for one another, as well as our Mother Earth, is really infectious and spreads through their music and teachings and most certainly through this conversation. Uh, They also offer a Costa Rica sound retreat you might be interested in. Now, in light of current events, I don't know what's going on with the schedule there, but you definitely want to get to Icona.com and check out what they're doing. That's A Y K. A-N-N-A, Ikana.com. Here's what we talk about in this conversation. What first led them to the kundalini yoga lifestyle? And I'd like to note that this episode was recorded well before the recent Yogi Bhajan conspiracy and scandals that have come out, uh, which is why we don't mention it in the conversation. If you're unaware of what I'm referring to, there were some recent uh, and abundant allegations of uh, misconduct by the, I wouldn't say founder, but perhaps the person most famous for bringing kundalini yoga to the United States. And that happened since then. And it's, it's pretty nasty stuff. So, uh, that's why it was not mentioned. Don't think that we're skirting the issue. I'm sure that they've, uh, given their opinion about it, but, uh, nonetheless, that does not change the fact, at least for me, that kundalini yoga is very effective and powerful And in fact, uh, we talk a lot about it in this episode. We talk about the science of kundalini yoga and why exactly it works, how to deal with grief, the root causes of addiction, and how yoga and meditation can assist in recovery, the role of shamanic plant medicines and how to reconcile addiction recovery with their use. The power of mantra music, something I believe in most definitely. In fact, my home on most mornings is filled with mantra music and many times during the day, but especially in the morning, that's when I get my groove on and they talk about what it means to them and why they elected to actually produce such great mantra music with their band, Icona. How these two collaborate on music without conflict, the language origins of the various mantras, yogic tools for a healthy relationship, how to settle conflict spiritually, their parenting philosophy that they use to raise their six-year-old daughter, and then finally the Costa Rican sound retreats they offer and how sound and vibration leads to elevated consciousness. So this is going to be a really fun episode. I'm so glad you can join me. And I want to let you know, if you'd like to catch the behind-the-scenes recordings of shows just like this, make sure to follow me on Instagram, at Luke Story. Uh, I definitely live-streamed the conversation you're about to hear at the time, so you could have seen it in real time. And as a matter of fact, right at this very moment, I'm live-streaming in my studio on Instagram, showing people my entire production process, how I do the intros and outros, and the software that I use on my computer, and the microphones, and all the biohacks, and all the things. So definitely follow me on Instagram, at Luke Story. And if you want to take it a step further, and you're a user of Facebook, I'd like to invite you to join the Lifestylist Podcast Facebook group. It's a private group with almost 6,000 people in it at this point. And it's a great place to post your questions and get answers from me and other members of the group. I also take questions from the Lifestylist Podcast Facebook group and turn them into solo Q&A episodes. So you might just get yours uh, read and answered on the show. So go into Facebook and search the Lifestylist Podcast group. You're going to find us. We'll let you in and we will hang out and have a good time. So that's the social media plug of the day. Don't forget to tune in next Tuesday for a very special conversation with my girlfriend and former Lifestylist podcast guest, Allison Charles, where we discuss the miraculous nature of our relationship and all the good she's doing in the world. That's episode 275 next Tuesday. So I think that's it for the plugs. I'd like you now to settle in, relax, and get ready for the soothing vibrations of Icona to take you away. Welcome to the show, you too. Thank you. Hey. Hi, Luke. Hi. really happy to I, be here. I'm happy too. I love interviewing couples.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. I've done that a couple of times before. <laughs> that's right. Especially couples that work together. Yes. I think that's a really interesting dynamic. Yeah, it is. I've tried that experiment a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> and they're, they're not no longer standing, so I can't wait to talk about that. <laughs> oh, we love uh, that. We love
2: that. How yeah. did
1: your group Icona come to be? Were, were you guys together before and then you made a group or did you make a group and then we come together? Wow. Great
2: question. Yeah,
1: Um,
0: It's a long story, but I'm going to give you the short version. We met in 99 Mm -hmm. at the Landmark Forum. And I noticed he was playing music at some kind of celebration there. And I asked him, I was putting together a a nine piece band back then. That's when I was doing hip hop. And I was signed with Alanis Marset's management in LA. And um, I basically asked him to come play percussion in that band. And so he came and that was two years later after I met him. And so we went on that whole ride for four years and played a lot around L.A. and, and you know, talks of a record deal and lots of things going on. Um, I was in addiction back then and kind of hit a rock bottom. Um, and we were still really just playing together. And he was... Um, a healing minister with uh, an herbology practice. Um, And I basically came to him for healing after we had played music together. And I started working with him. He started prescribing herbs to me. He introduced me to Kundalini Yoga. This was back in 2004. And so we started taking that journey together. And I started doing Kundalini Yoga. I fell in love with the mantra. I fell in love with the music. I felt like it was just... it it was just such a natural expansion of where I'd been. And the music business, which I'd been in since I was 17, was so devoid of of any uh, real connection Um, and really spirituality, which I didn't know. I mean, that word is is very expansive, but I didn't know that I was ultimately looking for a connection with myself. And so through the work that I did with Akka, which spanned a good two years, um, part of that was Kundalini Yoga, And inside of that, within the teacher training, I started playing the mantras. We started playing together. Uh, And then Kia Miller, who you probably know, um, she asked us to create two and a half hours of music for her yoga DVD. And we just started playing in her classes at Yoga Works in Santa Monica. And so we did that. We made the music. And all of a sudden, we were heading to a Kundalini festival. And we just looked at each other. And we thought, well, we should probably print some of this music on a CD and take it with us. And we did that and we got to the festival and we gave the CD somebody and from there it just took off and it, it, it gave us a path. It's not like we decided to be a mantra band. It really called us and it was an act of service, of savor actually that called Icona into being.
2: I think there's some roots to that as well because I had been involved in a medicine music project called the Urban Shaman and, you know, this this yearning to calm the noise of the heart, calm the emotional noise that I didn't know was anxiety or depression or post-traumatic stress from family trauma. And I was invited to a kundalini yoga class during this time, 2004. I thought it was... Um, weird sexual thing, because in my looking to understand sexuality, I had been studying Tantra and the Kundalini was associated with Tantra, you know, so I kept refusing the invitation, you know, being a healing minister and at the church and everything. Um, And it was a service. The healing ministry was a service to, to the community. And I really wouldn't say I am the healer It was more of creating programs where people could be an administrator, a minister of their own gift. And she was the minister of music. And how can I help guide them to understand how the value of their gift, how it can take care of their life and their lifestyle, as well as be a contribution to uplifting humanity. And I went to a Guru Singh class, April 8th, 2004, it was a Thursday night class. And he broke out with the music, broke out with the mantra. And I was like, wow. It just opened my heart. I felt the most peace I had felt since I started practicing Qigong. And it was just the most incredible thing that moved me to the front of the class afterward and asked him, can I bring my kunga to play with you during class? And he said, sure, come on. And that was the beginning of being connected or creating the connection between music and this idea of mantra yoga. Uh, this this way of guiding our mind to serve our soul, which establishes a deep internal peace from our experience. And that was the, the the impetus that began to grow and grow and grow and grow into what you see today and what she was mentioning as well. So that's some of the roots of that.
1: Did you also have any background with
2: uh, addiction issues? I didn't know it, and I did. Uh, All right. I come from a culture where if you go to see a therapist, then something's wrong with you. So for the most part, you know, people in my neighborhood or the community I was around, they look to work it out the best way you can. Most of the time, it's just work through it, push through it. You either have some substance that helps you get through it, but the substance is not considered as helping you get through it. The substance is more about belonging to the community of folks you're with, the, the people that go to the club, the people that DJ, the people that play sports, people that are in the studio playing music, you know these these substances that were ways of living, um, which in a sense originated sacred plants. Whether it was the cocaine or or even the heroin or the alcohol, you know, or the marijuana. You know, for example, alcohol is is a way of extracting the essence of a medicine plant. So it can go, the essence can just seep into your being. You don't have to worry about digesting it. But we want to extract the good feeling. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. right. We want to extract what's, <laughs> yeah.
2: what we think is benefiting us. You know, it's the trap of good or bad and right and wrong. Yeah. I guess a
1: lot of it, you know, the poison's in the dose and in the intention.
2: Right? Yes, <laughs> I remember when trait. I when I
1: first quit drinking, which was, uh, the, was coming on twenty three years ago, mm. I got really into healing and herbalism and all this stuff. And a lot of the good extracts are in ethyl alcohol. Yeah, you know, if you yeah. want your chaga mushroom extract, right, whatever. Right, right. And I remember being so paranoid, I used to boil the the extracts. You know, and I'd, right. I'd boil like a fifty dollar <laughs> little bottle down to you know <laughs> one dropper full, and be like, "What the hell?" Right. And then eventually yeah. I'd be like, all right, let me do two drops, make sure I don't go off the rails, oh, and then right, you know now right. I don't even worry about it. Yeah. But yeah. But it is interesting, you know. It's it's yeah. not like alcohol is good or bad. It's right. It's kind of like you Where know what's are. the tool being used mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. Um. So in your case, I'm I'm really fascinated in people that have kind of gone down the shadow path of mm. addiction and things like that because. Mm-hmm in my experience, so few of us make it out to tell the tale. That's right. That's right. And yeah. uh, you know, the the statistics are not in favor of people who have issues, you know, acute issues with addiction. So, what yeah. was, what were the kind of primary um, tools that you were able to use to get out of that? And
0: yeah, absolutely, live that
1: good life you're living now.
0: You know, I, I think that. That for me, um, Aka, and having somebody there that I saw something in him initially when I met him. And this had nothing to do with attraction. It really was like I saw something in his eyes and I was like, and I had never seen that. And I had never had a friend like that who had been so kind and so supportive. And I saw something in his eyes and I said, like, whatever that is, I want that. And I was at the point where... I come from a long matriarchal lineage of suicide and just of addiction all around my family. And I just knew that it was my moment. Like I was either going down that road of my matriarchal lineage or I was going to do a 180. And so I just begun the process of, of, you know, doing Kundalini Yoga, you know, he introduced me to veganism, we went to sweat lodge, we fasted. I mean, I went on a two year rigorous, what we call the spiritual warrior training with him. And he was there the whole time, holding my hand, and I had community through Kundalini. I was in twelve step. I did so much at the same time, you know. And as an addict, like I was deep in addiction with Class A drugs and everything. You're an extremist, you know. And growing up in trauma, it's kind of like that's locked into your cells. You know I, I'm I relate. Still, yeah. Right. I'm still. There's still something in yeah. my in this healthy conscious life that. I have to pay attention to like, oh, when am I the extreme of trying to cleanse or do this or that, you know, and to find more of the middle path. But for me, the essential tools were community, was a daily practice, which in Kundalini yoga, we call daily sadhana and that to, and, and good, good food, like really good nutrition, prayer. Right, those things fifteen years later are still the foundations of my conscious and healthy sober life. I have a daily sadhana. I have community. I pay attention to what I eat, you know, and my prayer is active and exercising and all of that. I think it's it's really a lifestyle. It's a consciousness, and when you can get out of the consciousness of addiction and it's really through surrounding yourself with inspirational people who are on the path and who are living that life, then, then I feel like that this, this, there's a real chance, you know, to really come out of addiction. Uh, because I think isolation and disconnection creates addiction.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I always contextualize addiction as at the core of it is existential loneliness. Mm. You know, it's like, uh, I, I think that's what leads us, many of us at least, oh, yeah. into that, you know, it's just, there is no connection. There is no safety. You've experienced trauma. There's mm. no way to express it or process it in a healthy way. Yeah. So it's like, I have my one friend, you know, I remember when yeah. I was a kid, like smoking weed, that was, yeah. that yeah. was my legit best friend. Right. Yeah, you know, it's like Kids have invisible friends. Exactly. My friend was in a little Ziploc bag, yeah. exactly. you know, and that was like, if I had that, I was safe because mm-hmm. I could change my perception of the world instantly. That's right. If I started to find that my perception of the world was uncomfortable, I knew I couldn't change my outer circumstances, right. but I could change the chemistry of my body and brain mm. to have a different lens. You know, it's like a lens shift. I but think that's, that's why
0: so many people lo- um, who are in addiction love and gravitate towards Kundalini yoga. Because you're activating this, this, this frequency of being very elevated naturally through breath, through movement, through pranayama, right? And through the group experience, because it's so much about the group consciousness.
2: And I think that is uh, what you're saying, Luke. There's a line that my wife wrote, isolation Brings temptation. Or did I write that? You wrote that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Unified mind. Yeah, exactly. you know. It's all one. But, you know, that that idea, I, as I said earlier, I didn't think I was addicted because I didn't grow up in a culture that thought about addiction. It was just. Where'd make, you grow up? Jersey City, New Jersey. Okay. And then at 16, I moved to New York. So you see. I just heard it. I moved to New yeah, York. I know. He always has that voice <laughs> right. when he goes so there. You. you you see the junkie on the corner or the the, wine, the local wino, but it never clicks that that's an issue. That's just part of the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Like, make a right turn at the wino on the corner, and then a left <laughs> turn at that stop sign with the bullet hole in it, you know? right. but it. It's just part of the fabric of life. But then when mm. you begin to expand and come out of that... The key that I've seen in now going from a spiritual counselor and herbalist to working in specifically addiction uh, and meeting Tommy Rosen and the R2O R2O community, there is a sense of isolation. And here comes something that helps us to feel we belong. It was marijuana for me as well. Anything that disturbed my internal being and made me upset. The next day, like sometimes drinking too much liquor or trying cocaine, anything like that couldn't work. But marijuana, Mm -hmm. it was the thing that could make everything all right, make everything all right. And I think it's when I when we speak of recovery, it's recovering that true self. And that's the essence in Kundalini Yoga and many of the ancient traditions that recognize we are an energy body as well as a physical body. So it is, in a sense, something to reclaim when we recognize there's an energy aspect to us. How can we relate to that? How can we develop a relationship with that? Because that's all the cocaine is dealing with anyway, and and the alcohol and the marijuana, if we take those big three, and then all the pharmaceuticals. I talk to clients and say, okay, we think the alcohol is making us feel a certain way. We forget our physiology is organizing these constituents to give us the sensation, right? There's neurotransmitters that are being secreted. Mm. I mean, look at heroin. It's it's just blowing the roof off neurotransmitters. It's so concentrated, right? So the body is like, even marijuana, the the euphoria that we have, the endorphins Mm. that are being pumped Mm. out. And that's why we go to the phase of, now we've produced so much energy To create the feeling. And then the next thing, what do we do? We get the munchies. (laughs) So give, give me something sweet. right? That's the fastest way to get energy into the system. Give it to me. Give it to me. And then once we get that enough, then what do we want to do next? We want to knock out, go to sleep. So the body has produced so much energy, but we give credit to this outside thing we can relate to rather than relating to the internal energy system that has infinite resources at its disposal. And that's what Kundalini Yoga, if people know about Qigong or Tai Chi or other practices out there that helps us to cultivate a connection to something that gives us a sense that there's an infinite resource that we have available. And that's what switched me off from marijuana, is to want to know that because I could drop. So I'm making formulas and oils and this is the time of dispensaries coming online in California. People just bring me a pound bags and block bags. Make me a hit formula. you know, make me a lemon. <laughs> <laughs> make me a liniment. It's something they can rub uh, up their sternum and make them feel better. Like, like give it some essential oils and let it seep <laughs> into their sternum. And, you know, they, they got ideas about they want to be the dispensary with the HIT formulas, right? Yeah. This is before CBD and everything like that. But I could drop some in my shake and no one would know. I could put it in my tea and no one would know mm. I'm getting my microdose mm-hmm. to help calm the noise inside. Mm-hmm. But to go to the the energetic system Mm. that you have already in you. Yogi Bhajan, who brought Kundalini Yoga to the United States, said, it's our responsibility, and I'm paraphrasing a bit, to feed our soul prana. And prana is that essence of energy that is contained within the breath. that allows us to maintain this consciousness in this spacesuit, as we call it, right? And here we are with this infinite energy at our disposal that can help us to feel anything we need to feel as a solution to what we don't like, or what causes us to have isolation, to know that we can have a connection to something is what really um, shifted my addictive behavior, which I realized was really emotional. I was creating these and Dr. Joe talks about it, right? These emotional Neurochemicals that I create when I'm thinking about the traumas from the past that I mm-hmm. had in the womb to three years old in my family. And, you know. All of a sudden I'm thinking about something's wrong. And then I'm I'm thinking about man, why do I feel this way? And then all of a sudden my body is giving me the neurochemicals to help me feel this way. Mm-hmm. Even if I don't have the identification of depression or anxiety, I feel this way. And why do I feel this way? And something must be wrong with me. And then I get more neurochemicals to help me feel this way.
1: Then- oh, it's so good, dude. Right? The vicious cycle. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Yeah, it's it speaks to you know that all of that happening internally, also, I think when when many people are faced with issues of addiction, we erroneously think that it's that thing. It's the weed. Okay, that's the weed. That's what's messing my life up. So I can just get rid of that and I'm cool. But it's yeah. its the underlying dis-ease, right? Yeah. And discontentment. Yeah. And then you take away the medicine. At least for me, it was like, oh my God, now I'm really screwed. You know? yeah. it's like I don't have a means by which to process the traumas of the past. And I don't know that's that right. like, what I'm really addicted to is... Right. Are, is negativity and, and uh, those you know, addictive emotions and repetitive mm-hmm. thoughts and all of that stuff. And it's such a, I think we're in a great time right now because uh, the, the kind of business and even medical model of addiction is starting to realize that mm-hmm. the outer addiction is a symptom of the, the disease within us. You know, and there's more tools available now. I think people are really fortunate mm-hmm. if, if they are fortunate to ever get over that first hump. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, one thing that's been really transformative for me specifically within kundalini yoga, uh, which I discovered, I don't know, eight, nine years ago Mm -hmm. uh, is mantra. Mm -hmm. There's something magical that happens when you listen to holy words with a vibrational resonance sung by people, played by people who are doing it intentionally Mm -hmm. that changes how you feel and ultimately who you are over time. And Sometimes I find that um, in class, I find it easier to transcend when I don't understand the language. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Because it was like, I know you guys sing a lot. A lot of your mantras are in English, which are beautiful. And you're in my Spotify playlist and everything. Do you think there's a difference? Like if you know what the words mean or not? Or is is it just Mm. the essence and the energy of it?
0: Well, when you're looking at mantras, what you're working with is the ancient languages of the earth. Which are the codes behind our modern languages? So it, 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 there's a wiring that happens with the mantra, with these ancient languages, that really connects to the essence of our being. And so, you know, like English and 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 French, and you know, it's all these modern languages are are so literal, and these ancient languages are multi-dimensional. And so the activation of the neurotransmissional fluids of the brain through the tongue hitting the 84 meridians on mm-hmm. the roof of the mouth are really activating these experiences that are not accessed through modern languages. So that's what you're feeling a lot of, of like when you don't understand, but the, but there's an energetic resonance there mm-hmm. that, that you can't put words to. Um, and that has a very specific um, activation, like different mantras activate different things, right? So when you chant Rama, Dasa, Sa, sa se, So, Hang, with the tip of the tongue and the way that it's moving, it's activating and opening certain parts of the brains that are going to feel and connect to this healing, blissful, connected sensation, then you might chant like a mantra like, Ha, Ha which is from the navel. And then all of a sudden you're really activating your life force energy and your personal will and your power. So different mantras have these different experiences. Mm -hmm. And and because we're so locked with the English, with literal, and I think that English mantras are also very valuable because they help reprogram the loops that we have because the mantras that we have in English, right? Or whatever language you speak, most of them are not positive. So we re- replace the negative loops with these positive English mantras as well, which can really be helpful. So we love both, but mantra, your mantra in and of itself is a technology. Man is the projection of the mind, mantrang. And so it's bringing light to the mind and how you're projecting light into the mind so that your projection from your being into the outer world, is that of light. It's that of connection. And then everything, when you're in the light, you're feeling love, you're feeling connected, you're out of fear, you're out of the darkness, right? So I'm sure Aka
2: has some. Well, I was just going to say, you know, anytime someone engages in a devotional activity, what we call the bhakti yoga, that devotional activity of using the voice, there is a transformation that has an opportunity to, to blossom. In the beginning was the word, right? This this vibration that we're engaging. So whether it's uh, English or, or native language mantra, as you were saying earlier, that intention of utilizing an aspect of the universe, whether it's a physical substance or what was taught to us, the sound, they're living beings. A person could chant the vowels and begin to discover the secrets of the universe. But again, it would be from that devotional place um, sometimes when we're in recovery we call that the rock bottom where we realize we need to change there's something that must change and where can that begin so we look at the breath and the voice being connected when we're chanting and as she mentioned there's a a technology that's within this spacesuit that's energetic and when you connect to it and mantra and breath perfect ways to do it so that's a it's an entry point you whether they're English or whether they're in a, a, a language of sacredness like Sanskrit or Aramaic or something like that that you're still yes now you're getting into more specific more advanced you know like a pure heart degree you're getting your PhD now you're you're really diving in the mantras and sometimes but yeah, without knowing what they mean, go into the feeling of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, let, let it ignite from there because we fell into the language of meaning and words, and it was more tonal. You know, mm-hmm. if there was a vibration that was coming out of you that was oh, maybe a lower vibration, then I'd respond with a tone to, to raise the vibration. But there was no looking at you as bad for your tone or looking at me as good for my tone. It was just this connectedness to toning. And allowing the universe to speak through us. And I think it's happening for us now in this Aquarian age. Yeah, I do yeah. too.
1: It's something else that's been interesting to observe is the uh, popularity of sound healing and you know the crystal yeah. balls yeah. and gong and the sound baths and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Which I, I think first experience in Kundalini Yoga at the end of a class it's a rap, boom, here comes the gong. Yeah. You know? and it's like, yeah. I always wait for that. I'm like, why do I like this so much? It's yeah. just, it's so restorative, the, yes. the vibrational tone of that. And then going in, you know, of course for years now and all kinds of different sound experiences. And I think there is something mystical yet deeply scientific about the effect of mm-hmm. vibrational tones on our biology, mm-hmm. Absolutely. At a cellular level. And when yeah. I, when I would first hear, you know, my teachers like Tage and who mm-hmm. were saying, yeah, whomever, and they would be quoting Yogi Bhajan about, oh, this just activates the pineal gland and (laughs) and creates the magnetic field. And I'm like going, I mean, I'd be sitting there like, I'm cool with this, but this, I know this is bullshit. You know what I mean? It makes me feel good. So it's like, okay, Yogi Bhajan, say whatever. But now all these years later, you got people like Joe Dispenza actually explaining the science of it where you're like, oh, you're sending the synovial fluid up, you know, you're, spinal cord and it's it is going into the center of your brain and activating the pineal gland as he calls right, it right and uh you know so now it's like oh wow there is the the, the mystics and the scientists are sort of converging and That's i think what they say one of the main ways is looking at the effect of sound and vibration yeah mm-hmm. you Absolutely. know because you know subjectively wow i feel really good if i listen yeah. to chopin and if i listen to slayer it's a different feeling <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? mm-hmm. um, So. I don't know. I, I don't know where I'm going with yeah, that. It's no, just, I
0: think it's important too to yeah, to, to understand that mantra is a technology. Like, it has nothing to do with religion. It's mm-hmm. really an ancient science. It's the yeah. ancient science of yoga. You know, and in in some religions might have attached to that eventually. But but in essence, it was just. Um, the people, right? The indigenous people, the people of the earth were communicating with the cosmos because I mean, that's all they had, Mm -hmm. you know? They moved with the cycles of life and they communicated with the stars and the cosmos and that's how all these mantras were downloaded. It wasn't, um, you know, it's a very um, um, essence practice, you know, that was created and I think it's no coincidence that at this time on the planet, we have every tradition literally accessible through a hit of a keyboard. It's no coincidence because we're needing these technologies to just hopefully, you know, overcome what, what's happening to humanity and what's happening to the planet. So, I mean, I feel they're so valuable. Um, and I know that, you know, whenever we're dealing with anything emotional or we're getting into something together or as a family like the mantra is always what what gets us through you know chanting together or even chanting silently or you know it's 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 a powerful tool powerful
1: tool we'll be right back at you after this brief but important announcement The sponsor for this show is ComradeSocks.com. Comrade Socks was created to provide a simple way to feel better and energized every day. Now, they're not your average socks. These guys spent two years developing smart socks with all-day comfort, style, and certified health benefits. And these things save my life on road trips, air travel, travel walking the dog, sitting around recording podcasts, and especially when I do public speaking and I have to be on my feet for a long time. They're designed for everyday wear. So they're the world's most comfortable compression socks. They have a padded toe and a heel cushion and something called slide-free that keeps your socks in place all day so they don't slip around and droop and all that weird stuff that socks tend to do. So the Comrade Companion socks are really good for preventing swelling, and just being more comfortable when you live and travel. They also speed up muscle recovery after workouts, and they come in a range of colors and styles that have a really great look. And as someone who used to work in fashion, like I'm not trying to wear some like medical grade looking socks or something super sporty. I'm not a sporty guy, you know? I kind of like used to play in a band. I want something with a little flash, and uh, Comrade Socks provides that. So they're functional, They give the medicinal benefit of a classical compression sock, but they look really cool. No one will even know that you're helping your health and looking dope at the same time. So if you want to do all of the above, it's super easy. Here's what you do. Get over to comradesocks.com forward slash Luke. That's C-O-M-A-R-D socks, comradesocks.com forward slash Luke. If you want to save 20% off, why not save some cash? Use the code LUKE at checkout over at comradesocks.com forward slash LUKE and you're going to get hooked up. You're going to save your feet, maybe for the rest of your life. You're definitely going to make travel and living suck a lot less with comradesocks.com forward slash LUKE. And now, back to the interview. In addition to the, the more Eastern-based mantra coming out of the yogic traditions, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I saw you guys do a beautiful opening ceremony in which there were what I thought were kind of Native American sounding chanting Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. whatnot going on. What's your experience with other traditions and how have you integrated those
2: Mm. indigenous songs that we were singing? I, I always look to the physiology of the body physical and how that has an energetic effect and also connects to the energy aspect of ourselves. And you, you mentioned the word frequency To consider that we are frequency first is uh, something to graduate to because then there's an opening of awareness, especially if we have behavior that is counterproductive for our health and well-being that could be called addictive behavior, habits. What is the way to transform how energy is flowing through our body that in the past, initiating us going out and taking a drink, getting to know each other. Or in this time we can sit at a holistic conference called a tune and have some purpose to our conversation, right? Because of our frequency. But-
1: I've had no small talk all weekend. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> been amazing. Yeah. I'm like, oh my god, thank God. Right? You, know, you yeah. can just sit out with any random person and just dip Boom. in. You yeah. know, yeah. See what I yeah, mean? yeah.
2: So the singing of it's a it's part of our fabric as beings that are vibrational. And so wherever you go on the planet, whatever culture you wind up in, if they're close to the Earth, they have a connection to songs that are not just songs like "The next Greatest Hit," because the chief really liked this one. It's because <laughs> they, would, they would, you know, they would balance out the energies because they're going to plant, and they want to sing the vibrational energy. Into existence that we're going to plant these seeds. We're setting our intentions, just like we sang the song, an uh, eagle song or Earth song. So we sing that Earth song, so that we we touch base with where we get this spacesuit from, where we get everything. These cameras, everything we have, came from Mother Earth. So, what keeps us from recognizing that, as a manufacturer, when we make something that is plastic? especially with our daughter's toys, what, what's it going to wind up being when that child is not playing with it anymore? Why do we only stretch our thought into making something that is marketing a movie and then give, that it, let, let a child or parent buy it and let them play with it? Now, how come we don't think about what happens after that if the earth gave it to us?
1: <laughs> Dude, every time I walk in like a Target or something, <laughs> yeah. I just see a landfill. You know, it's just all
2: this junk, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? Because how long does it stay in a child's mind or even in ours as far as as the the, the, the sturdiness of it? How long does it stay in its function, right? So the idea of singing these songs is to come to our essence and the truth of who we are so that we can return to being aware of what is simple. So we sang a Mother Earth song so we can realize where we come from. So when we walk on the earth, we, we tread lightly. Right? We, we're aware of what we're buying, so we know where it's going to go. Sometimes those little plastic things, because we're in Costa Rica and we're sweeping up the beach, and sometimes those little plastic tags that t- tack on the, the, the price, sometimes I just put them under the sink. I don't even throw them away because I just imagine where they're getting caught in the throat of some animal, mm. some marine animal, right? Or in the belly of some marine animal. Um, but mostly to your point around the songs. You know, we sang an eagle song. So it is to connect to that essence of us that has the ability to see like an eagle because we're made of all the, the energies of the universe from indigenous perspectives, right? So how can we embody that? And here comes the songs, you know, and, and we're in a ceremony and there's a, we may do it for the closing ceremony, but there's a traveling song, Okina. you know, that, and when you sing it, you feel your body move, to create the sound with enthusiasm because these songs are not whispered. Take away. You know, these are songs so well, the earth can hear us. Mm. Oh, you guys
1: were bringing it in the opening yeah. ceremony. That's why I was like, I want to ask them about what yeah. this is. Yeah, and
0: I, I would just like to relate, you know, Akka, that initially all this came before Kundalini Yoga. aka has been sitting with this tribe um, up in, close to Ojai, up on the mm-hmm. 33 for over 20 years. Uh, he introduced me to them Mahuta-san, um, right? 15 years ago yeah. Mahuta-san, when I started um, oh. doing healing work with him and you know, religiously, we go up there, you know, multiple times a year and swear and we do the bear ceremony. He's now the lead drummer. And, you know, we've been sitting with these people, watching these children grow up on the land and singing these songs. And and, and, and that's been such a gift, you know, such a gift. Nothing, again, that he sought out or I sought out or this one didn ninja, ninja just tried to learn these songs. It was mm-hmm. just like it fell into our lives. He was invited, then I was invited. And then all of a sudden, it's like you want to keep going there. And you want to keep showing up and you want to serve and you want to be a part of of their mission and you want to understand their ways. And it became another healing path like the sweat lodge for me became like a, a dual path to Kundalini very very important for me and my recovery and these songs I mean these songs are so so healing mm-hmm. and we sing them often as a family um, you know and, and we've been given I always want to say this but you know by Turtle Hawk who who was the chief who recently passed of that land or who was the caretaker he would never call himself a chief yeah. but he really gave us permission to share these songs and mm-hmm. sing these songs and yeah and you know I think any any anything any practices that can help us to reconnect to the earthly ways this is what really our family's right. mission is about mm-hmm. it's like let's get back to nature
2: yeah. you know
0: it doesn't have to be uh drastic it doesn't have to be extreme but let's just connect to these earth songs mm-hmm. let's connect to how we used to eat and, and how we take care of ourselves. Let's slow down. Let's put the technologies away. Mm-hmm. Let's go on walks. Let's be in nature. Let's get barefoot in nature. You know, just simple little practices and technologies that we can do as a family on the daily
2: mm-hmm. to
0: stay more connected.
2: Yeah, let's talk about that connection because you mentioned this isolation earlier and we were talking about addiction. But imagine I went to this land and Lauren is Turtle Hawk's oldest son and all of his children, you know, he has eight children um, with Bonnie. And imagine I go there and about four of his children, you know, there's still some in diapers and still just walking around, and Lauren's about maybe six or seven years old. Oh and now gosh. here we are today. And Turtle Hawk would always say that. And and the his daughters are so diligent about making sure and supporting their mother about having this. This nonprofit, this intertribal preserve to continue and battling with Ventura County and, you know, all the things that happens in, in the behind the scenes. You know, we hear the songs and we see, but just the support that was given to Turtle and Bonnie by their family, by their children, right? Turtle Hawk would always say that these ceremonies are for the children. Thinking about the legacy that we have to pass on so that they know where they belong. In their responsibility to being in communication with what the earth needs and how to share these songs in ways that helps to meet that need. Because I've seen some miracles around healing, but the big thing I wanted to share with you is around legacy and creating connection because now Lauren has stepped in. It's no easy task. You know, he stepped into the role of being the leader of the ceremony. And, you know, and he's in his late 30s, mid 30s. And so this is something that Turtle Hawk talked about. So for 20 or so years, and I've watched the the Vietnam vets. I've watched those that not just were having addictive problems, but they have served this country. And they're dealing with the issues of serving this country and trying to find solutions the best way they can, which may be viewed as addictive behavior. I've seen them come. And, and this ceremony means something so dear to them and to have the guidance of this man so dear to them, right? That they no longer need the substance of the psychiatrist at the VA. And they can live their life as men with dignity and not remember whatever they remember that doesn't allow them to feel complete and whole anymore. You know, whether it's the guilt or shame of what they had done. To serve this country but just this idea of a legacy and the children get a chance to see that so in our lives what are we doing these songs these mantras you know yogi bhajan created a community it's more about the village of people that gather around these concepts in the sense we think they remember something this brings me to a
1: question mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the legacy and passing on and keeping traditions alive uh, i'll preface it by saying i'm not someone who strives to be politically correct. I strive to be a conscious being, but I think a lot of the sort of fascistic control of our language right now is a slippery slope. So I'll just say that, mm-hmm. but I am also reverent and respectful of different cultures and traditions. Yes. And there's this idea that I find is often supported by people who aren't even part of a certain culture or race, um, <laughs> which is so weird, but where they're sort of fighting against cultural appropriation. Right mm-hmm. Where if you're singing Native American songs or you're doing uh, ceremonies brought from South America or West Africa or mm-hmm. wherever, that you're somehow desecrating that by bringing it into Western white culture or something, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so there's people that are you know pissed off because certain types of uh, ceremonies and artifacts and art and things are being celebrated and shared. Mm-hmm. And I kind of see that perspective, right? But at the same time, I look at myself as a teenager who's listening to the Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin, who culturally appropriated blues from mm-hmm. African-Americans, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I would have never bought a Howling Wolf record if it wasn't for Keith Richards. Mm-hmm. I, how mm-hmm. was I going to find out about Muddy Waters right. or Howling Wolf or Miles Davis or that's whoever, right? right? Yeah, so it's right. like, right. well, that someone needs to carry on the tradition. And how do you do so in a way that's ethical and supportive? Of the lineage, in other words, if everyone stops culturally appropriating, then culture ceases, and there is no legacy to Mm -hmm. carry on because you're not allowed to do that without breaking some sort of unspoken rule that's made up by arbitrary people Mm -hmm. who are easily offended. Mm -hmm. Such
0: a great statement, you know, and me coming from Europe, right? So coming. So not being American, I'm really a a, a world being. I was born in Belgium. I moved to London at age 11. I've traveled the world. I came to LA when I was 25. I grew up around black music my whole life. It just was what I was into and where I was drawn. Um, So in London, a very eclectic, you know, um, um, raising. I just, my normal friends were African, were Moroccan, were Latino, were West Indian. I came to LA and it was very I felt very segregated, like landing in Santa Monica and <laughs> feeling like like where's my people? You know, so for me I have such a different lens on that. And 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 I have more of this world embracing view of that the intention behind what we're doing, right? As an individual, how we're singing those songs, how we're honoring those uh, that came before us that gave mm-hmm. us the permission to sing this song, mm-hmm. how you know the mantras you know being so solid in our daily practice and so devoted to the practice that it it feels like second nature to sing these mantras, you know so for me it's much more of this 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 worldly perspective of. Embracing one nation. Like there is no separation. We're all one people. We all have the same color blood. You know, so that's where I'm coming from with it. And I think that in America, it's very different. And there's a lot of these kind of issues that get raised up and talked about. And I think it's important to a certain degree. But at the end of it, like, we are just a human being. We are a soul having a human experience. How can we be the best human we can be and just really let all these separations fall away and, and, and be as one people, as one tribe, you know? That, so that's the vision that I, I think we hold as a family uh, of consciousness, you know? It's just like there is no separation.
1: Do you think perhaps um, the... And I, I agree because I don't eat- <laughs> You know, I don't look at myself as like a white male. Yeah. I know the world does, and I'm mm-hmm. sure my right. life's been somewhat right. easier growing up in America sure. as a white male. Sure. Like right I acknowledge the reality of, you know, people that are too ignorant to see past that. But absolutely. Yeah. I, I truly believe that I've had many experiences here before. And I might have been a shaman in, you know, Peru. Yes. Right. And mm-hmm. so like who's to say I can't wear the garb of a shaman and brew now yeah. just because i you know god put me in this particular right. color meat suit this time right. you know so right. it's like i don't know it's just a, it's a it's a funny issue and i guess the key there is is like maybe the gripe of that is when there's not a respect of where it came from yeah. or when there's kind of a theft and someone's mm. profiting so you have like Got it. an urban outfitter that's like oh crystals and um you know dream catchers are on trend right now let's mm-hmm. let's right. capitalize on that shit right. and right. Right. <laughs> you know perhaps there's there's no equity going back to indigenous tribes Country. that are still struggling yeah. or, right. you know, um, so that's you know, a really good like, point. Yeah. yeah. It's, I, you know, I don't know. There's an answer. I just, these are the kind of questions mm-hmm. that I ponder sometimes because well, I,
2: could say from, I see
1: the point on both sides, but to me, it's like, there is no separation. Ultimately we're yeah. all spiritual beings in a different colored kind of different gendered meat suit. And mm-hmm. if you really zoom out, of all the lifetimes we have, it doesn't really matter. Let's all share what works to heal, Mm -hmm. heal each other and create unity, you know? So I don't know what, what's your take on all that? I think
2: there's that balance as we were just talking about between tradition and how we evolve. And I think at the core of it, Turtle Hawk would always say, be invited and ask permission. Um, in terms of how we would conduct ourselves on the land right? I think that's what happens with regard to when something is learned and something is liked um, whether it's Keith Richards or was it George Harrison picked up sitar and started it's a respect for where we're learning what we are learning Mm. and then asking permission can I you know Can I allow it to evolve in me? Because this is awakening as a way to share it, which might not be traditional because it comes up in every culture and within the culture, whether it's with regard to indigenous songs and Turtle Hawk had the dream that a woman should be on the drum and the women are considered to have their own ceremonies. One that happens within their body is their moon cycle, right? So the ceremony as the story goes was brought to man so we can remember the ways to be connected to the movement of the universe the woman already has everything built within her to know the movement of the universe and some people traditionalists feel it should stay as a ceremony for men and turtle hawk had a dream that a woman should be on the drum and people were upset about that so here's a here's a a a line are we going to trust in what's being spoken to us and and speak that out to everyone who's concerned and if they disagree will we not do it but i think the respect is in expressing it so listen i'm feeling this i'm hearing this as i'm playing this beat you know i I don't want to be disrespectful to you how do you feel about that Mm -hmm. and um, they'll say how they feel and then you know we we sit with that and what is the best for everyone you know as we ask different my wife will ask permission to teach certain courses in a certain way from the elders and i think that's the key we 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 we're in a youth oriented society and the traditional ways are held by the elders
0: mm-hmm.
2: and there's this separation where we maybe the elders are holding on to what they think should be traditional and then the young generation coming up is saying, "But it needs to change," and you know, how can we, right? How can That's we connect? Right. That's such a good point, Akka. Yeah. really a good point. Yeah. yeah. So about that connection, it's back to that connection once again. What's best for everyone?
0: Yeah
1: what serves the highest
2: good yeah, yeah i guess and that's then to
0: ask permission you know yeah. be invited and ask permission those two simple <laughs> things i feel like they've gotten me really far <laughs>
2: you know yeah i really think i just you know I look at
1: i look at concepts like that and when i say it's a slippery slope it's sort of like you know, if you keep going with all of these confines and rules in terms of who can say what and do what culturally and what's appropriate, I mean, at the end of the day, like I can't eat spaghetti anymore because I'm robbing from the Italians, you know? It's like, where does it
2: end, you know? Well, it's so, a big
0: talk right now in the wellness community. Yeah, right? it's, it's a big topic, yeah. And I think that, that, yeah, it's good to talk about it and it's good to bring it out into the open and get the different perspectives. And I think that something like what Aka mentioned, which is what Turtle Hog gifted us, be invited. Ask permission. Just those two principles can really diffuse some of the tension that might that that mm-hmm. people might be feeling yeah. about like oh we're singing their songs or we're we're wearing their, or there's a white man now leading an ayahuasca ceremony in Topanga you know it's like ask permission be initiated mm-hmm. if that's if it's an initiated kind of process you know kundalini yoga and that's why i love it it's self-initiation you have to activate your own power and initiate yourself right right. um you know so yeah but the really good conversation ongoing
2: respect and on
1: that note i know we're we're limited on time here because we all want to (laughs) go see joe (laughs) (laughs) can my interviews go three hours sometimes you know yeah yeah yeah. they go as long as they need to go i've tried to put containers (laughs) around them and it's just I can't stop sometimes Uh, I did want to ask you though just in the context of addiction recovery and the work you do with Tommy Rosen and Mm -hmm. this kind of world and then the side of shamanic practices and healing traditions that include plant medicines is that something you guys have worked with at all do you have any desire Mm -hmm. to what's your take on on unconsciously exploring Mm -hmm. You know, the world of of medicines.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting thing. Uh, Coming through herbal training and and having a consciousness of being in communication with plants. Of course, everyone's journey is their own, right? But for me, and even letting go of marijuana, plants come. And when you look at it, they have the plan planted within them, right? Mm -hmm. We're in our planet. There's a plan. There's a plan for I like us. that plan. <laughs> That's
1: some Guru sing shit right there. <laughs> you know, like oh, five name. meanings for every word. You know, it's like, oh, wow, well, I never looked at it like no, that. This is kind of but
2: think about those, that plan. So plants have that ability to help us discover that plan or remember that plan. I think it's, a, um, especially today as the energy field is being more activated, our energy systems are being more activated, our physical body is being more activated, that it's important to realize when we're leaning on something to do something for us that we have the ability to do. And that's where I see in the addiction rooms as far as spiritual counseling is concerned. When people are suffering, after I get to know them, they're not stepping, mm, cancel the are. they are somehow Preventing themselves from stepping into their abilities that would be the solution for what they face. And sometimes, in this culture of transforming from the outside thing that we do, Piscean Age, Hmm. to the internal being that will initiate the experience, being in the Aquarian Age, that I wonder. Are we catching remnants of the Piscean Age in terms of the plants that help to activate our true being? And we're now, we're now graduating deeper into a time of being. So now what is the infinite energy system designed into us that allows us to access that energy? Now, let me tell you what opened my eyes to that. In practicing Qigong, i um met a tibetan master and what she does is she will chant the mantra into water and that will be your medicine so we seek out certain traditional indigenous practices um and it does yeah it ignites within us what's there my You're catching me in my research now with this question. What about the systems that are in us that the plant is reminding us we have the ability to use? Are we taking an extra step outside of our ability, giving it to the plant to do for us, then experiencing it, and then hopefully recognizing that we have the ability? Or do we gravitate to the communal aspect of that and it gives us a place to belong with other people that are on that same journey. And then we gain significance by being with other people on the same journey rather than really focusing on the essence of what's calling us to connect to that plant in the first place. Mm. Where, where, Where are we in our consciousness as far as our journey and where are we in thinking about connecting to ourselves, that whole connection piece or isolation because we've seen it you know the spiritual ego can slip into the isolation and that isolation mimics itself as belonging to a group that's with this master and that's where they feel they belong and safe but when they get out of that the medicine keeps working because the, the plant medicine wants you to be you <laughs> plant medicine doesn't want you to rely on it from my experience of mm. being with plants mm. They're, they're there to ignite in you the awareness of carry on. Yeah. Right? Carry on. And
1: in, in, in my, you know, not the earlier use of different plants and substances, right. I, had a couple, I had a couple awakenings, like one on LSD, one on mushrooms That's that right. I think informed my worldview to some degree, but it was accidental, you know, whereas my most recent exploration earlier this year in Costa Rica, it was like going in knowing I'm just going to get a glimpse. The veil is going to be lifted, but that's not the real world. You know mm-hmm. that it's like mm-hmm. it's just a chance to kind of be a fish and poke poke mm-hmm. your head above water and go oh, shit. There's sky out here, but you still got to go back underwater and be a fish because <laughs> you don't know how to fly. You know you can't go through the world on ayahuasca or something. You know that it's just it's point. not practical to stay in that wavelength where that all of the dimensions are available to your perception. So it's just like a peek at. Oh, okay, I get what's there. Let's put let's close that box back up. Mm-hmm go back in the world and take that knowing or those realizations or healings back into real day to day grinds. Yes. Driving in traffic, going to the bank.
0: And that's where the you daily know. practice, the daily sadhana, which is really the foundation of all the work we do and the work that I do with my woman's school, it's it's the heart of any transformation. Mm-hmm. So if you're coming out of a ceremony and you don't have a daily practice mm get yourself one, because mm-hmm. then you will be able to prayerfully implement, you know, the realizations and and the different realms that you've opened up within you, right? The medicine that you've opened up, it must be a daily practice. I mean, I must is a strong word, but I mean, that's been my saving grace
2: mm-hmm. is
0: the daily sadhana before the sun rises. It's like everything.
1: Oh, you're my hero. You know, my, my dream in life and my goal is to Sun gaze every morning, you know, yeah. which is difficult to do in Ojai, you know, yeah. to get the, cause you have, yes. it's in that valley. Yeah. Yeah. I want to move there, but I'm yeah. like, I don't know. I got to find a vantage point for the sunrise. And then That's you got to go right. really far to get the sunset because that one mountain yes. is in the way, you know. Yeah. But the days when I am able to do that, this mm-hmm. morning I got out there not a little bit after sunrise and yeah. did, you know, my breathing, grounding shirt off, like mm-hmm. praising the sun and all that. And it just has a I mean, it's just a completely different day. Absolutely. There's nothing that compares to that. And mm-hmm. I think that someone could utilize things like that as a as a regular um discipline yes and probably achieve like you were saying what's on the inside that you could get a glimpse of by sort of taking a fast elevator mm-hmm. to a certain plane of consciousness mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. medicine right mm-hmm. where you you're like mm-hmm. oh i'm on the 32nd floor yeah shit yeah. <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> but there's the other path which is kind of climbing your way yeah. on the stairs you know yeah. and it's like mm-hmm. you, you keep that vantage point as you go so mm-hmm. i don't you know i don't know if there's a right or wrong good or bad yeah. to me there's not it's all no. useful in its absolutely. own context yeah
0: absolutely and there's been you know it's been proven that that they've done studies with people who have been deep in addiction. About sixty percent benefited from those kind of ceremonies and have stayed sober, and then forty percent haven't. You know, so there is genuine studies out there that are showing that. And I think it's a very individual path. Um, you know, um, our path is kundalini and these native songs and and activating the inner pharmacy. You know, and that's been what's working for us and, and, and what we're sharing and teaching. The inner uh, pharmacy,
1: I like that. The inner pharmacy. I like that, yeah. yeah. Well, right. we have DMT in there already, right. you know. We've got everything we yeah. need in that. You can yeah. find ways to activate it. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we got to get out of here. Uh, real quick, I'm going to give you lightning question. Yes. And that is, and you can each answer and give me three, three teachers or teachings that have influenced your life and work that the audience might be able to go uh, study up on.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we'll go back and forth one in
1: one
0: Um, I would say Yogi Bhajan from the Kundalini tradition
2: Mm -hmm. I would say George Washington Carver incredible right the man who talked to flowers interesting yeah Yeah. he can clear the space and say hey dig up under here and there's a rose bush no way and he'll take the soil out separate it into pigment then draw by I should say, paint by hand the rose bush that he saw. Holy crap. So, I mean, the idea of having that connection to creation is what he teaches me. Cool. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I would say the Sufi master, Inayat Hazrat Khan, who wrote uh, The Music of Life, mm-hmm. that book and those teachings have had a big impact on me. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And um, the secret life of plants again nature in me that's my medicine yeah mm-hmm. so anything that helps to really i'm with you on that yeah
0: um for me like all the ancient women feminine mystics you know mary magdalena and 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 all those those ancient mystics that have really the feminine that have really awakened um um the feminine aspect the Shakti aspect of of what it is to be a woman and to be in the flow and to nurture the earth and nurture ourselves and each other with that feminine touch you know that's been a big teacher right now for me yeah cool
2: and there's a book called The Prayer of the Cosmos mm. and I was influential in in growing up Baptist and doing my training in the First Evangelical Church of Christ it was a book that put the teachings, the essence of the teachings from the Middle East into perspective. and This is from Aramaic, the Lord's Prayer and the Beatitudes are broken down from a metaphysical, literal, and a cosmic meaning. Because wow. that's how, that's how mm-hmm. Aramaic should be interpreted. But, you know, Latin or Rome, you know, these languages are literal. So we didn't get our father which art in heaven. So when I need my father, where is, how am I going to connect? But in the first line of Aramaic is Abundu Bushmaya, the great parent of creation that dwells in the center of creation, mm-hmm. and that's where Icona comes from. That mm-hmm. that line, the fourth line, "I will be done on earth as it is in heaven." Nechwe Sivianek Icona the Bushmaya ba'ara, Right. So that Icona is that just as it's that link, it's that pipeline. connection, that pipeline, that connection we're talking about mm-hmm. that allows us to experience heaven while we're in.
1: Earth. That's dope. Yeah. That reminds me a lot of the Emmett Fox's work, mm-hmm. you know, Scientific True. Christianity. Kind yeah. of, True. Kind of doing away with all of the, the metaphor. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> Just getting down to the essence of what it's That's actually right. saying. Because I, I never grew up in religion or church, but right. um, years ago, I got into Emmett Fox's stuff. And I was like, this is the Jesus stuff? This is dope. Like, right. I can do this. You know, this, right. this works. You do what it says on this page, exactly. your life's better. It's very yeah, simple. Exactly. Well, exactly. thank you guys. Uh, lastly, where can we find you online? Website, social media, any of that? We're
0: at Icona.com, um, Spotify, you know, on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Um, Akka has a platform under yeah. And I have a woman's empowerment school under School.com. Awesome. so there's a few places cool. but mostly
2: you'll find us on Instagram yeah. Sipdev, Aka,
1: yeah. Right. great, awesome and yeah. you guys can find all those links in the show notes too well thanks for joining me, let's awesome. get out of here thank right. you so that brings this episode to a close thank you so much for joining me, if you enjoyed the show please share it with a friend and uh, don't forget to check out Icona's music you can find it of course on Spotify I'm listening to these mantras all the time and they're great musicians very uplifting tunes So I encourage you to support the work that they're doing. And as I said before, you definitely want to follow me on Instagram at Luke Story and join the Lifestylist Podcast Facebook group and get all this stuff behind the scenes. It's really fun. And I like it to be a two-way street. I want to get to know you because you listen to the show and you know me, but like I'm sitting here by myself recording, you know? So social media is the way that I get to interact with you. And I really enjoy doing that. So follow me on Instagram at Luke Story. Join the Facebook group called The Lifestylist Podcast. Now, we've got some upcoming events that have changed dates. And I just want to say that they are, of course, still subject to change based on all of the craziness going on in the world. So if you want updates on my speaking engagements, et cetera, go to lukestory.com forward slash events. But as of now, I've got June 17th through 24th at the lovely Cuixmala, Mexico, my favorite place in the world, quite literally. The Healing Power of Energy Retreat, where I'll be documenting uh, and interviewing the entire experience there. Then Paleo Effects has moved to Austin in the summer, July 14th through 16th. We've got the Upgrade Labs Conference in Beverly Hills, July 24th through 26th. Then Meet Delic in LA, August 8th and 9th and the Health Optimization Summit in London, September 12th and 13th. I'll be speaking and hanging at all those events. So please come join me. Not only do I want you to follow me on social media so I can meet you, but I want to meet you for real. So roll through to the events. Let's thank our sponsors, man. You know, no one likes to listen to commercials straight up. Like I wish we lived in a world where, I don't know, maybe if I was a trust fund baby or independently wealthy and was just rolling, then I could just give you this podcast and not have to make money to pay the team. And I could just pay all the expenses myself from that trust fund. And we'd all be living the dream. But uh, unfortunately, that's not the way it works. I must uh, have brands that support and fund the show and my work here. And you are a critical part of that. If you don't buy products from these brands, they're like, we're not doing ads on the Lifestylist podcast because no one buys our stuff. So if you enjoy what you're hearing here and you want to give back, uh, you know, of course, you don't have to do so monetarily. You can share it with a friend and just keep listening and, you know, do what you can. I get it. But if you're someone who enjoys uh, health supporting products, you can go to lukestory.com forward slash store and find all of our sponsors, not the least of which being our three sponsors today. First up, we've got Beekeepers Naturals, the best and most potent and most pure and awesome bee products on the planet beekeepersnaturals.com and we've got our blue blocking eyewear from blue blocks i am literally wearing mine right now no joke those watching on instagram can attest to this fact then uh, we've got comrade socks now i'm not wearing them right now but i actually wish i was it's weird like it's kind of hard to plug socks because people are probably like what socks why don't socks i already have socks no you don't you don't have comrade socks dog compression socks, these really tall ones that these guys make, which by the way, are actually really cool looking too. They don't look medical or old people or weird. Not that old people look weird, but they wear weird socks typically. Uh, They're really dope looking, stylish, tall compression socks that are really good for your health and make your feet feel freaking amazing, especially when you're standing, driving, flying, traveling, traveling, Comrade socks are freaking awesome. Please check them out. Once you get a couple pairs, you're going to be like, oh, snap, how did I not wear these ever? They're rad. Go to comradesocks.com. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, I think we've done it. We've completed another episode. Thank you so much for joining me. You definitely want to make sure you're subscribed to the Lifestylist Podcast so you don't miss next week's episode number 275 with my girlfriend, the rock star shaman, Allison Charles. I'll talk to you then. Peace.